Welcome to the Tim Fowler Show, where production is paramount and we discuss the tools, time, and people associated with getting jobs done and making a profit. On today's episode of the Tim Fowler Show, we will be talking about shifting from lead carpenter to project manager with the help of special guests. Rob Moss of Sun Design Remodeling in Fairfax, Virginia. Alongside Tim Fowler, I'm your co-host Steve Wheeler. Here is the Tim Fowler Show. Hey everyone, Tim Fowler here and welcome to another episode of the Tim Fowler Show. And as I always do, I'm asking you to send in ideas and also perhaps want to be a guest yourself with some idea. Let me know at Tim at remodelersadvantage.com. So there's an old saying, and I apologize to all the cat lovers out there. There's many ways to skin a cat. So poor cats, they always get that. But the idea behind that is there's almost always multiple paths for any destination that we would like to get at. And so this is also true of project management systems. And so The title is Moving from Lead Carpenter to Project Manager, indicating that at least one of those is to have lead carpenters that manage your jobs on site. Another one would be having project managers that are the true managers of the job, and then maybe carpenters working on site or subbing it all out. And then there's a third one that's kind of a hybrid of those, and that kind of captures all three of the systems that are out there. And so what I've seen from years of talking with people and being involved in this industry is that companies often have trouble either knowing when to shift or even knowing how to shift or even deciding that they should shift. So they might start with one thing and then they, the part of the reason they, they struggle is they don't make the shift in time or they decide they're not going to make the shift and everything becomes more difficult. So general rule of thumb is that a lot of times people will shift from a lead carpenter system to a project manager system because of volume of work. In other words, we just start growing to a point where we can't handle it anymore in the lead carpenter world. Or in some cases, it's job size. And we saw this uh, several years ago, back in the early 2000s, In fact, a lot of people were writing articles saying lead carpenter system is dead. And what was going on was job sizes were starting to increase. We were going from a $200,000 project to a $500,000 project, and the management was more difficult for a lead carpenter. So project managers were starting to become part of that system. So there's a lot of challenges with this shift, and we're really grateful that we've got a guest on who is either undergoing it or has undergone it, or maybe a little bit of both, that's going to try to share some of those uh, solutions with us and maybe make somebody else's road just a little bit smoother. Steve, let's get started. All right. So Rob Moss is the Director of Production for Sun Design Remodeling, located in Fairfax, Virginia, and serving the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area. He's been with Sun Design for 15 years, started as a lead carpenter, transitioned into the uh, director of production role four years ago and continue to learn and grow in the production world. For the last three years, 
He was overseeing the transition of the production department from a lead carpenter-based system to a project manager-based system that has allowed them to grow revenue per week numbers, ultimately impacting the bottom line. Welcome to the show, Rob. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. All right. So give us a little bit about how Sun Design Remodel was functioning three years ago or before you started making this shift? What was the, what was the basic system that you had in place? We were a typical uh, design build lead carpenter system. So we had uh, 10 to 12 lead carpenters who would each run one job at a time, you know, handling all aspects of that one individual job, including doing most of the, the carpentry work itself. All right. So what, what, I mean, you were, you were the director of production when the shift started. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So what made you guys start thinking about like, Hey, maybe this isn't the right model for us and that we should start migrating to something else. Uh, the three main reasons were uh, one was job size. Like you were talking about, like when you have a lead carpenter system doing a $500,000 job, the amount of work that gets done was not meeting our clients' needs. You know, why are there not eight guys here working on my house right now? Why is there a guy and a helper sort of thing? Um, another big part of it was the job market. Finding, finding a lead carpenter that met our needs was getting just harder and harder to do. Those, those, those resources were extremely hard to find, which meant the competition for them was really big. So moving away from that allowed us to uh, be more flexible in how we got jobs produced. Um, and the third was we were also seeing slippage in, in labor costs. Um, some of that, I think, was because of the job market. So now you've got a, a lead carpenter who's really great installing cabinets, but when you ask him to frame a small addition, so we would see some real slippage on in those areas, whereas with as we've moved more project manager, he has more choices on resources and also using trades to get, you know, kind of finite costs on some level. Okay, so in your, oh, that yeah, great. That's great synopsis of sort of the three things that drive this shift. So thank you for that. So currently, right now, do you have in-house staff as well as project managers, or is everything done by a trade contractor? Uh, we have a mix. Okay. Part of that is a transition. We didn't, you know, kick people out the door who aren't, you know. <laughs> performing well for us, right? I mean, if people are doing good, we want to keep them around sort of thing. Um, But the other part too is that, you know, we, DC market's a big market. People have lots of needs. So having, having a couple of lead carpenters in house allows us to do certain jobs where that really is a need. Um, Because, you know, the, no one system meets all clients. So if you could have a little bit of flexibility there, that can help, you know, help with the, the, the different clients we're working with. Yeah. So do you actually, if, if you're doing that, do you actually have the lead carpenter doing all the management and stuff or are they working with a project manager? Uh, well, we have a couple lead carpenters who are working with the uh, more production manager level guy who okay. you know, checks in on his job once a week kind of thing. But the lead carpenter, yeah, is getting the rest of it done. Okay, cool. So it's actually that hybrid I was kind of talking about where you actually have some people doing the lead carpenter system and then, but the bulk of the company is doing project manager. Correct. Fair. Okay, cool. So three years ago, you decided to, you know, make this shift. You've got good reasons for it. What, 
what happens first? If, if a company is going to think about doing this, what do they need to be thinking about first in terms of making this shift? Uh, what were we thinking about first was how do we, how do we think about costing? How do we think about client, uh, client relations, client, how does this impact the client? Cause that's got us, every conversation we have on any level starts with how does this impact the client? Um, Cause without that, we're all in trouble. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then we started looking through the, our process as is, this is what our process is right now. What, how will it change? How will it adapt? What, what things do we need to think about as we move through this? Um, so, so a lot of people like the lead carpenter system because they feel like it develops or it, it breeds better client satisfaction. So when you were thinking about that, what did you, what was your thought process for saying, no, we can actually give the same client service with project manager? Uh, our biggest thought on that piece of it was the, the, the rate of work, the, you know, Lee okay. Carpenter's sick and they're three days down, or um, there's Lee Carpenter sometimes with the carpenter getting work done. Whereas we were thinking we would be going to clients on a $300,000, $400,000 job and saying, Hey, instead of this taking seven months, we're going to, you know, four and a half months. And that's, that was the, the, our view of the major selling point for the, for the client. Um, yeah. Yeah. I can see that's really cool. I hadn't really thought about it from that perspective because I guess when I think of client satisfaction, I think of things like communication or job site cleanup, or we didn't run across your, you know, your favorite rose bush in the front yard, none of which are related in, in many ways to whether you've got a project manager or a lead carpenter. But this idea of expediting work is a pretty cool, pretty cool way to look at it. Yeah, that was the main driver for uh, client satisfaction. Um, now having said that, we obviously had a lot of bumps and groans and ups and downs and, yeah, oh, you know, what do you mean no one locked the house? <laughs> you know, moments. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, how do you deal with that from this point going forward sort of thing? Yeah, well, I'm sure it's been a development because you don't, I mean, you don't just shift gears and everything run exactly smoothly. You, you blow up a few motors along the way, I guess. <laughs> so what about the, uh, what about the costing? So did, have, you, have you seen a greater costing or what was the transition in thinking about the costing and, and how, that would be, how that would be figured out? I think that's been one of the most interesting parts for me personally is that metric. Like what is our metric we look at on a regular basis? You know, historically GP percentage, what is your GP percentage? That was kind of your driving financial number on just about everything. Um, but now we look less at that and we look more at kind of gross profit, gross profit dollars per week. You know, how many, how many gross profit dollars is this guy bringing in that goes to cover overhead and ultimately becomes net profit? Um, Cause if, you know, you, if a GP on a $500,000 job at 35%, um, you know, but producing, you know, 20, 20,000 a week in revenue, the amount of money going to the bottom line is, is bigger than a 40% GP on a $150,000 job producing $10,000 a week. Right. Um, so it's, it, it shifts your mentality from the, Hey, what are the actual dollars this guy's bringing in on a regular basis and also allows them to get onto the next job as soon as possible. So is this a function of a, uh, a project manager being able to handle more 
volume, like they can manage a million dollars or a million and a half per year versus a lead carpenter might only be able to produce X. Is it, is it in the number of jobs or is it in the volume of the dollars for those jobs? How does this really show itself to be beneficial? Um, it's in the volume. So, you know, a guy can handle, you know, say four $150,000 jobs at once or two $600,000 jobs at once. Um, you know, but again, it's about the, the volume of work, the volume of GP dollars we're bringing in on a regular basis, which helps, you know, again, keep hitting those overhead numbers we need to hit to help hit the net profit numbers. All right, cool. So um, if you don't mind sharing, what is your sort of benchmark for what a project manager can handle at this point? Uh, at this point right now, we're at about uh, 1.8 to 2 million a year. Okay. All right. Everybody asks, you know, I mean, you know, everybody's asking those questions, like what should be the benchmarks? Now everybody who's listening to the podcast needs to understand that Fairfax, Virginia is a pretty high income, pretty high dollar type of market. And so if you live in a more rural area, you know, your numbers are going to be a little bit smaller uh, than that. Probably almost nowhere except maybe LA or New York, are they going to be bigger than that? That it's a, it's a pretty good market. So you had been a lead carpenter with Sun Design uh, before you stepped into the role you're in now. How did the existing staff, the lead carpenters that were there, feel about making this shift? I guess maybe the, the question that needs to come before that is, how did you roll this out to the company? Or was it more just like a slow, look what we're doing now kind of thing? We started talking about it pretty early on and a lot of, a lot of guys were a bit nervous. Like what is, they, they had a growth plan and all of a sudden, what is my growth plan now? And how do I, how do I fit into the future of this company that I've built experience and time and energy and everything right. around that? Um, so, I mean, from day one, we said, Hey, we're not, we're not looking to get rid of anybody. Everybody in here has a job as long as you perform, you know, right you know, kind of standard sort of thing, but we're not looking to get rid of anybody. And then the opposite is actually true. We, we told them that, Hey, we're going to have more project managers. So if right now you're a lead carpenter and you don't see a path forward, there's now a kind of a new path forward into project management, which, you know, definitely some of the, some of the guys who with a lot of experience who aren't, you know, backs aren't feeling so good. The idea of, you know, a couple of guys, they don't carry around their tools anymore and they're pretty excited about their trucks being clean, things like that. So just to, <laughs> You know, the, the, just because this one area is, is, is getting minimized in some way, the, the opportunities that growth creates is always, you know, hey, you guys are first in line to, to you know, to, to reap some of these benefits. So, and we have, we've had, I think, three guys now in the last year who've moved up from Lee Carpenter to project manager, which, you know, comes with pay raise, things like that, but um, yeah. comes with some stress level too, because when you're, you know, three clients versus one client sort of thing. Right. Um, but, uh, so and they've, they've, they've handled it pretty well. They've, they've succeeded. They have, um, yeah. they, you know, the, it takes a different mindset. That's part of the yep. transition and growth piece there from, yep. you know, and one of the places we see slippage and a learned lesson for a lot of these guys is, Hey, because the framing trade didn't get it done. Doesn't mean you spend three days getting it done. Right. Right. You, know, you got to manage, not do. And you know, and that, right. that's a mental switch for them, but no, for the most part, they've done really well. Yeah. So was there any 
like initially confusion about like, all right, now what, what does the project manager do versus what does the lead carpenter do? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing there was, I guess I'm kind of asking how you guys dealt with that kind of thing. Um, are you talking about the difference between uh, what the lead carpenters did on their jobs versus what a project manager does on theirs or just, yeah. yeah. Or, or just, I mean, when, I mean, it, it used to be that the lead carpenter, maybe, maybe it was call the trade contractors and, and do quality control. Now maybe the project manager does that, but, but we're confused about who does what. It's like a new job description for everybody. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we had some issues between, because uh, again, a lead carpenter is still doing their model. So they're off doing exactly what they've done before. Right. The, the real confusion came from, you know, hey, the, the things that lead carpenters do kind of just as a normal course of business. Um, you know, like we said, the locking of the doors, the, you know, the double checking that the water is turned off when it needs to be turned off. Is that tarp secure? Like those bits and pieces is where we, we saw confusion. It's like, well, that wasn't in my pricing to do that versus, well, we thought it was. <laughs> you know, so yeah. getting, the, getting that pricing piece worked out and just the expectations around, you know, hey, dumpster management, some things like that, like uh, doing, doing those things that the lead does naturally, but now we need someone on site there to do it kind of in place of them. Right. I think that's one of the things that I, I think companies – uh, miss, especially if they're going mostly trade contractor, because oftentimes the company doesn't really know all the little things that the lead does just because they're there. And so they don't often make it into like a trade contractor's contract, like a framing, framing sub might do, you know, one through 25, but the lead carpenter always did 26 and 27, just as a matter of course. And now we have to make sure 26 and 27 gets into the framing contractors, uh, you know, pricing schedule. Well, I think it's had an interesting impact on the fact that we have a better, clearer, more defined pricing and an understanding even from sales design, what is a, what happens on the site and what are all the little things that help brings value even to our sales and design person to understand why the price pricing is what it is. Yep. Um, this is a very, probably a minute detail, but you know, you're mentioning like locking the house and stuff like that. Are most of the homes that you're working in, uh, are they, are people living in the home? Is that half and half? A majority of the homes are empty. Uh, and I ask that because I always go back to daily cleanup. Like if somebody's living in the home, um, how that works. I'd say it's about 60, 40. I mean, the bigger the job you can imagine, the harder it is to stay in the house sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, we still have plenty of clients living in homes, uh, you know, especially through the, the COVID time. It, it definitely ramped up that that nervousness. We had, you know, a very nice lady with a couple of kids living in the house and, you know, just the, the energy around, you know, her, her, her fears of what could happen over these last four months. Yeah. Um, but the, the daily cleanup, it, it, that's definitely part of the, you know, if you talk about lean, the J curve, the, the, you know, the learning of what we expect of our trades and who's doing what and, and even we've uh, developed a position within our company too for, you know, just kind of some weekly site cleanup, week, you know, site prep material stuff, you know, are, are our walls in place or our dust protections in place? Someone double checking those things just to stay on top of it. Are you worried about the future of your business? Are you stuck and unsure about what step to take next? Do you have any doubts about your ability to lead through this crisis? 
Whether it's business, finance, or production, we have the experienced professional coaches standing by to help you and your team battle through these uncertain times. To learn more about our coaching program and to schedule a free 15-minute consultation with our head coach, Doug Howard, visit remodelercoach.com today. Now back to the show. Yeah, so you just mentioned a, a minute ago about uh, sales and design. It sounded like you said they, they maybe are doing a better uh, package of information now because of all the little things that could be missed in there. My question was basically, has that upfront process changed much with the change from lead carpenter to project manager? Has there been a shift in how that gets handed off, for example, or documentation or something like that? The steps themselves haven't changed too much. Um, okay. It does require a certain accuracy of plans and more detail on plans, whereas, you know, a lead carpenter is more capable of making on-site decisions and modifications and things like that, where your, your sub is like, hey, I do what the plans say. Um, right. But even then you develop that relationship. And that, that's one of the biggest things. If, if I was to emphasize anything in this, it's getting the right trades and the right relationships um, and having the same targets there. Because uh, once you have that, then a lot of those little things, if you're starting to point, hey, your job, my job, then you're going to have a bad relationship and not get where you need to get to sort of thing. Um, yeah. So just, just real quickly, Rob, uh, I, everybody's going to go like, all right, how do I do that? You know, maybe that's another podcast, but, but just from your experience, is it just, trial and error, or is there something that you guys are doing that really develops that relationship with your trades so that they are basically part of your team? Uh, a little bit is trial and error. A lot of it is, it's almost like hiring an employee. You talk about culture, right? So when you're, in, when you're interviewing trades, we're talking about our culture and then we're living into that culture. And most, most trades really appreciate our, our honesty, our upfrontness, our, you know, our, our effort to, make it about the client and most trades get excited and kind of, and get bought into that. And if they don't, that's fine. You know, there's plenty of remodelers out there for them to. <laughs> yeah. Especially in that, in that part of the world. So um, I, I do think about the culture though. That's the key. Yeah. To and I guess, I guess maybe uh, like hiring and everything. I mean, I think in general, we focus way too much on, can you build this thing or are you a good plumber? versus, you know, how you treat people and, and the culture of the company. But just give us a quick idea of how you like interview for culture or what you do for culture with a trade contractor. Uh, we, we go through a vetting process, obviously, of numbers and things like that. Um, we check their references and then we bring them in. They meet with our trade manager and me. Uh, they meet with the owner of the company. Um, we go through our, our culture, all those aspects. We have a, you know, a PowerPoint display and all the good stuff that helps okay. me what it is. And then, um, and then we also have them come in for other meetings, trainings we've done, uh, not just for them, but for their guys. Um, and we do pre-job, uh, pre-job debugs with them. So we can, you know, we rock, walk through the job, the job site, the, all that stuff. So they have an understanding of what, what it's going to take on this job to make this client happy. Cause that's the, you know, the, the emotional buying reasons. Great. Yeah. 
Great term. If they understand that, then they can work towards that. If, you know, if they understand their two kids and the dog and they can do those things, they can work towards that. Yeah. I think that is one of the biggest mistakes people have made is they haven't gotten their trades to think in terms of their customer service. They, all they care about is, can you build something? And they don't really talk to trades about customer service and what that means from our perspective. Well, the hardest part there has been going from owner to their guys. Like usually the owner will get, yes. Yes, I get it, but it's getting, getting their four guys that work under them to also get the same thing. And that takes some, some intentional yeah. training. So anything happened that you didn't expect to happen, anything either positive or negative that you hadn't planned on happening in this transition that just kind of popped up and you said, huh, that's interesting. Oh, geez. There's probably lots of those. <laughs> um, I, I think the, the, the mental shift from Lee Carpenter project manager that, you know, one of the biggest shifts there is from, again, doing it myself versus what are my resources? What are the things I have available to me? Right. So now when, when I'm looking at a job problem, like as, as a Lee Carpenter, you look at a job problem it's like, well, I got to put my hammer on and get to it quick. Whereas a project manager, I think this is really part of the biggest growth for these guys is there's all these resources out there that's available to solve that problem. So guys having that growth in themselves to start to think about all these problems from different angles and how they can attack it with different resources is really kind of a, a cool thing. I think they've learned and, and appreciated. Um, so do you think you're done with the transition or is it still developing? Oh gosh, no. I mean, I, I think we're, we're, we're three years in um, the first year was pretty rocky. Uh, yeah. You know, getting pricing worked out has been pretty rocky. Um, but we're really starting to see the benefits now that, you know, as we're getting all those things tightened up, we're seeing, you know, prices have gone up, but slippage has gone down. So the ultimate, you know, price to the client hopefully is going to end up being in the same place. And, right. you know, and as we get the trades more and more in line with us, like the, the camaraderie that's coming out of that has been really cool. Like the trades coming to some of our events just to come and hang out. Uh, the, you know, the expansion of our little world has been pretty exciting from that that point of view. No, we are not done. Really, really we'll never be done, but (laughs) (laughs) we're going to wrap up a little bit here, but um, Steve, go ahead. Yeah. So um, when you look at, uh, do you, I I guess this is going out to people that are listening to this and are, you know, have, have mulled over and looked at a potential shift to, from lead carpenter to project management. Do you you feel you gave up anything uh, by shifting, uh, from the lead carpenter system, or do you think it just was really tailor made for you and you found the right fit? I mean, is there something uh, that people can expect in terms of giving up by shifting? The, the one thing we struggle with and it's something our company holds up is the idea of growth um, and not growth of sun design, but growth of individuals. So the finding the path for that 18 year old kid to yeah. get from, you know, walking in the door, willing to, you know, dig a ditch to project manager um, that's the pathway we've had to think about a little bit more specifically because there's not as much lead carpenter, carpentry teaching moments happening on our job. So how do, how do we get that 18-year-old kid with energy and passion kind of into that system to keep going? Yeah, interesting. And uh, I, think, I think that's where the hybrid piece is very crucial because it keeps that, keeps that avenue for some, someone to have a place to you know, work with someone hands-on and learn these things. So is there anything you would do differently? Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, 
I think test a little bit more. Um, if you're thinking about it, join RA first. <laughs> there. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you. <laughs> well, because uh, honestly, though, the there are people who have done what I've done, who've moved these ways, who are doing these systems already. So being a part of RA is giving me access to, to, to people that help me solve the, have already done it and can solve the problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Already solved the problem. So I, I just joined RA when we started this. I wish I'd started the RA a year earlier. <laughs> Um, but well, we do too, but anyway, <laughs> but, you know, I, I wish I had reached out more, done a little more investigating from that perspective, gone to some of these companies that have done it, that we have relationships with, um, see what they've, what's been successful for them. Um, and then, yeah, just the, I think the pricing piece of it, like that's, what's been hard is getting, okay, how does this ultimately make sense for a client in the long term? working through that and getting sales and us on the same page. So, um, so my, my, to, you know, production structure matches what we needed to meet for, uh, for pricing, things like that. Well, Rob, this has been great. I uh, really appreciate you taking some time uh, to, to give us some insights. And um, I look forward to hearing more about how, when it's done. Yeah. Give me three more years. And we'll be close to the <laughs> All right. We'll have you back in about three years. I'll make a note. <laughs> Rob, this was great. Thanks so much. Thank you. Take care. Appreciate it. All righty. Well, Tim, um, you know, again, this topic I think is one that everybody mulls it over. And I think that people put toes in and they, they, I think a lot of times wasted on, should I do this or this? Well, I think part of the challenge is the misconceptions that one is better than the other. Yeah. And I think a lot of people go, they start with a lead carpenter idea and because they have a lot of control that way, uh, as you move into the project management area, you, you lose a little bit of control, I think, but they often, and I was part of this thinking years ago, but like, it can't be done. You can't do trade contractors in a client's home. You just can't do it. Uh, you know, you can't leave them there by themselves. Yeah, and it has nothing yeah. to do with COVID. And, you know, it's just, that was the thinking. And so I think the mistake that a lot of people make is that one is better than the other, or one is bad and one is good or, you know, whatever. And I think Rob did a great job of just pointing out that, you know, you basically just have to work out the kinks. You have to figure out the pricing. You have to figure out your trade contractors. You have to figure out how to sell in a better way so that it's more clear, better information, that sort of thing. And so I, I think that's one of the biggest, biggest challenges. Yeah. You mentioned in the beginning, he covered the three drive, the three things that drive the shift. Uh, one of them being, he kind of saw the labor shortage, uh, you right. know, that that would be slim. What, and what were the other ones? Cause I, I thought he laid that out perfectly in terms of uh the, yeah. the things that came about to make them make the shift. Well, I think I, I can't honestly remember at this point, we have to go back and listen to the, the, yeah. the podcast, but I think the thing that's important was they had three things they wanted to solve. Yeah. And, and, and again, if all you're thinking about is I think I'll just make the shift. It's probably not going to work. Yeah. But if you say, no, here are my three objectives or my four objectives. And in order to do that, I have to, you know, do things this way, then you end up um, 
solving those problems as you move along. It's interesting that it's been a three-year process uh, and that, you know, they've been solving little things all the way along. Uh, they've been able to keep staff. Some have moved into the project management role. I really like they're a big enough company where they can do that hybrid thing where some jobs are run great with a lead carpenter. I'm suspecting those are the smaller jobs, 150 to 250, something like that in, yep. in volume. So I really, I really like that. I think the other thing that I really want to just point out in this little summary is just the shift in thinking from GP dollars to GP dollars produced per week. Yeah. And, and to get a good handle on that. And that way you can say, you can just monitor that more effectively than just like, this job was estimated at 32% GP. We hit 32% GP. Okay. Yeah. You know, that, that's, it's a different way of looking at it. Maybe we should do a podcast on that uh, as, a, as a thing to look at. Well, I, even when he felt, you know, when we prepare for the show, I had to write back and say, can you tell me a little bit more about this revenue per week? It's just, yeah. I thought it, it's, it's pretty fascinating. So that's, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great concept. The, uh, the great game of business promotes it uh, very, okay. very uh, strong, strenuously. And the idea is basically one person doing one job can only produce X amount of dollars per week. There's no, you can't do any more than that. Yeah. But if I can get one person producing four jobs, they can produce four times that amount of money in that week. And the overhead for that week for the company is the same whether you produce four jobs or one job. Yeah. The overhead's the same. And so the rest of that, all the rest of that money ends up going to profitability. Profit, yeah. Awesome. Well, we want to thank Rob Moss for joining us today. We always want to thank you for listening to another episode of The Tim Fowler Show. And remember, at The Tim Fowler Show, we're working hard to eliminate it is what it is from your vocabulary. This has been another episode of The Tim Fowler Show. Want to hire Tim and fast track your growth? Visit remodelersadvantage.com consulting to learn more. And if you'd like more information about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program, please send me an email at steve at remodelersadvantage.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.